0: the WLCC brand.
1: Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app
0: or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
1: Faith alone is the issue of salvation because as someone once put it, a Christ supplemented is a Christ supplanted. A Christ supplemented is a Christ supplanted. See, to supplement Jesus with anything you think you you can do to earn salvation is to replace Jesus Christ as the sole object of your faith. Note this well. To be a Christian, Christ must be your one and only Savior, not a number, not one of a number of Saviors. Your one and only Savior. Otherwise, you are not a true Christian.
2: Those are strong but biblical words from our teacher on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Preloff. From Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, this is Verse by Verse. We welcome you to our class today in this second message from Galatians chapter 5. It is titled, Maintaining Our Freedom in Christ, Part 2. We hope you can take some notes about this vitally important matter. Pastor Steve will be discussing how religious slavery is eternally fatal. We have a lot to cover in our study today, so let's get right at it. Here is Pastor Steve.
1: Some of the most precious words ever spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ were the words he uttered at the end of Matthew chapter 11, when he invited those who were weary to come to him for rest. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every one of us knows what it's like to be burdened and loaded down with the troubles and and the cares of life. We all carry burdens of one kind or another, health burdens, financial concerns, family cares, and... On and on it goes. And these are all very real problems that can easily weigh us down and make life difficult and cumbersome. However, those are not the kind of burdens that Jesus was referring to when he offered rest to those who were weary and heavy laden. You see, Jesus was inviting the Jewish people of his day, who had become weary and weighed down by all the demanding religious rules and obligations imposed upon them by their rabbis and spiritual leaders. Those are the people that he invited to come to him for spiritual rest. And the reason he spoke of them as weary was because they were just worn out. They were fatigued. They were exhausted from trying to keep all of those religious observances demanded of them by their spiritual leaders. In fact, they were so exhausted that Jesus referred to them as heavy laden, which which evokes an image of animals, farm animals, beasts of burden, being weighed down with heavy loads that they were forced to carry. In other words, Jesus is talking to people who were so worn out from being spiritually oppressed by their religious leaders. And here's the way one Bible teacher explained the, the burdens that the Jewish people were given to carry. He writes, in Jesus' day, the rabbinical teachings have become so massive, demanding, and all-encompassing that they describe standards and formulas for virtually every human activity. It was all but impossible to learn all the traditions and was completely impossible to keep them all. So, here's the question. If it was impossible to keep all of these laws as well as traditions laid on top of the laws which amounted to, believe it or not, about 6,000 rules, then why did the Jewish people even attempt, even attempt to observe them? I mean, why try to live by something that you know you can't possibly live by? The answer is because their leaders, their religious leaders, told them that obedience to these laws were mandatory if they ever hoped to be righteous in God's sight. In other words, they were told that if they kept these rules, they would go to heaven when they die. They would enter God's kingdom. And so they continue to live a life, folks, of absolute drudgery in trying to live by these laws, but all the while knowing that they they couldn't. They couldn't possibly live by them. And the result was that they were constantly in despair, weighed down, dispirited, sagging under this unbelievable heavy load of religious regulations that they were attempting to carry. But it was to these dear people, enslaved with religious burdens that were impossible to bear, who Jesus, in his mercy, invited to himself, promising to give them rest for their souls if they would just come. The reason he could offer them rest for their souls was because when someone comes to faith in Christ, they cease trying to work their way into heaven by performance, performing good works. In other words, those who come to Christ for salvation, they stop trusting in anything, that they once thought could earn them God's favor. They simply trust and they rest in the Lord's finished work of dying for their sins as the sole basis for their salvation. Now, we aren't told in Matthew chapter 11 how many heavy laden Jewish people responded to Christ's invitation that day. We're just not told. However, we do know that during the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey, there came a day when a group of Gentiles in the region known then as Galatia responded to Paul's message, to his preaching about salvation by faith in Christ. And they did find rest for their souls by putting their faith in Jesus as their savior, as their Lord. And in doing so, they were liberated, not from Judaism. These were Gentiles. They were liberated from their old pagan religion of idolatry, which had enslaved them all of their lives. However, sometime after Paul's initial visit visit to Galatia, some Jewish people came down from Jerusalem and began teaching the Galatians that faith in Jesus was not enough for salvation. They said that if you wanted to experience true spiritual salvation from the God of Israel, then in addition to believing in Jesus, they had to become Jewish proselytes by submitting to the Rite of circumcision and then start obeying all the Old Testament laws. So really, what these Jewish men did, they were trying to enslave these Gentiles in the same way that the rabbis had enslaved the Jewish people with burdens they couldn't bear. But instead of rejecting the teaching of these men, as they should have, the Galatians listened to them and they became a captive audience and were actually giving serious consideration to embracing the erroneous view that salvation could be accomplished by anything apart from faith in Christ. And that's where Paul's letter to the Galatians comes in. When Paul heard what was going on in the churches in Galatia, he immediately wrote them a very strong letter, perhaps the strongest in the New Testament, attempting to persuade them to dismiss the heresy of these Judaizers and to return and to reaffirm their initial commitment to the message of justification by faith Alone in Christ. And so, what we've seen in our study of Galatians, especially in chapters three and four, is that the Apostle Paul has been giving one argument, theological argument after another, to show that God's plan of salvation has always been and will always continue to be by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But as the Apostle, folks, comes to chapter five, his tune changes. Instead of giving more theological arguments to prove the doctrine of salvation by grace, Paul begins to exhort the Galatians to live godly lives, to live holy lives, to live righteously. And and the reason he does this now at this particular point in his letter is that he is defending a charge that had been leveled against him and the message that he preaches on grace alone. They said, here's what the Judaizers said. They said something like this. If you eliminate the law as a a means of salvation, as Paul's message does, then it will inevitably, inevitably lead to a life of loose and sinful living. That is to say that the Judaizers said that Paul's message of salvation by faith alone was not enough to keep sinful flesh in check. They said that people needed more. They they need all kinds of legal boundaries and restrictions and limitations if they are to live godly. They need the law, not grace. And Paul's response, which he lays out in chapters 5 and 6, is that salvation by faith does not lead to licentiousness. It does not lead to a license to sin. On the contrary, he teaches that it is only when one places their trust in Christ alone for salvation, that the Holy Spirit comes to indwell that person, and it is his indwelling presence and the new nature that he imparts that produces the fruit of righteousness in an individual's life. It is not law. It is not rules. It is grace. But before Paul ever begins to stress the message about holy living, that it flows out of grace and not law, and that's really his message of chapters 5 and 6. The apostle emphasizes at the beginning of chapter 5 that if the Galatians ever hope to lead godly lives, really godly lives, then they first have to recognize and settle the issue in their hearts that Christ has set them free from the bondage of trying to earn any merit with God. They've got to settle that issue. In other words, he exhorts them to shun Finally, just shun enslavement to religious legalism that the Judaizers are trying to impose upon you because he tells them legalism is bondage and it is that kind of bondage that never results in true godly living, never. So this morning, as we return to our study, the opening passage of Galatians chapter five, I remind you that Paul's message here is centered around the single theme. The theme being this, having been set free by Christ, we are to maintain our freedom. We are to maintain our freedom in Christ and not allow anybody to enslave us again to the futility of trying to gain God's favor by anything that we do. The passage I'm referring to is Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read to you verses 1 through 6. Paul writes, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith, working through love. Now, as I've told you before, this is a critically important passage of Scripture, and it's one that is most appropriate for us today. And we remind ourselves what Jesus has done for us on the cross. You see, in these verses, Paul teaches us that Christ, by his death, has emancipated, he's liberated us from the bondage of, of attempting to become righteous and justified in God's sight. Paul refers to the struggle to be righteous by religious performance as slavery, as bondage. And he says that Christ has set us free from this type of slavery and exhorts us to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to become weighed down again by the bondage of any type of religious rule-keeping. And to accomplish his goal, what the apostle does, and this is the structure of the passage, he gives us three reasons why we need to maintain our freedom in Christ. We've already looked last week at the first reason. We are to maintain our freedom in Christ simply because Christ has set us free to be free. Verse 1 again, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now, with these words, Paul simply reminds the Galatians that the reason Christ set them free was obviously to be free, not to be in bondage. The Lord has set us as believers free from the perpetual struggle of trying to earn our way to heaven. We've been set free. Therefore, it would be wrong for us, having been set free, to, to put ourselves back in bondage. The Lord has liberated us. Paul commands us to stand firm against anyone who tries to enslave us. Now, in context, this is a command to resist anyone who tells you that there's something in addition to faith in Christ that you need to do to be saved. But it is also valid to say, based on this truth, that we are to be careful not to fall into the trap of thinking that we can be more spiritual once we are saved by keeping a bunch of man-made rules and traditions. I stressed this last week, but the reason I did that and the reason I stress it again now is I can't tell you how many Christians in my life I've met who tell me that they have been brought up, they were brought up in, in a legalistic Christian home, church, environment, where keeping non-biblical rules, we're not talking about biblical rules, but non-biblical rules were considered the marks and standards of spirituality. In my Christian life, in my walk, I have met countless people who have said yeah i've been I was raised like that, but somehow, along the line, God opened their eyes and they recognized that that was wrong. They recognized the liberty that they have in Christ, and they have broken free of that legalism and Now they understand that true spirituality is obedience to God from the heart, a heart that wants to please him rather." than from the sinful motives of trying to look good in the eyes of your Christian peers. And now that they know how free they are, they never want to return to the bondage of legalism, even though they get pressure from parents, pressure from family members, pressure even from people they went to school with who were still caught in that legalism, who accuse them of now being liberal and using such words as neo-orthodox and things like that. They never want to return to that bondage of legalism. But sadly, that was not the case with the Galatians. The Galatians had been set free by Christ, but for some reason, the legalism of the Judaizers appealed to them. They were attracted to it. And so some of them were considering, giving careful consideration to the Judaizers teaching that they needed to keep the Old Testament laws to really be saved. So having exhorted the Galatians to stand firm against those who would put them back under bondage, Paul moves on now in the next few verses to warn them about what will happen to any of them who might decide. At this point, they hadn't decided. They were just thinking about it. But he warns any who might decide to fully abandon the message of salvation by grace And fully commit themselves to the teaching of salvation by law keeping. And it's this warning from Paul that constitutes the second reason he gives for maintaining our freedom in Christ. Why should we maintain our liberty in the Lord? Number one, because Christ has set us free to be free. Secondly, we maintain our liberty in the Lord because religious slavery is eternally fatal. So that's something to be trifled with. It is eternally fatal. Verse 2 says this. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. What Paul has to say, folks, in this verse is so important that he actually begins it by calling attention to his authority as an apostle. Notice, he writes, Behold, I, Paul. Now, they know who this letter is from, obviously. He's saying it for a reason. Behold, I, Paul, what he means by this is, Mark my words, that's what behold means. Look, pay attention, mark my words because these words are from me, Paul, Christ's apostle. And what are these apostolic words that we're supposed to pay close attention to? It's this, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And do you realize what Paul is actually saying here? He's telling the Galatians, that if any one of them were to receive circumcision, then the atoning work of Christ's death on the cross will be of absolutely no benefit to them. In other words, he's telling them, if you become circumcised, you can't be saved. Can't be saved. Now, why was that the case? I mean, after all, Paul was circumcised. All the apostles were circumcised. Paul even had Timothy as an adult Go through the surgical procedure of circumcision. In fact, in just a few verses later, I read to you before verse 6, Paul says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. So if circumcision means nothing, then why does Paul say here that if they receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you? Listen very closely. What Paul is telling the Galatians, who as Gentiles, had not been circumcised as male infants, that if they were to undergo the surgical procedure of circumcision, watch this, for the purpose of gaining merit with God and being justified before him, then the atoning work of Christ will not be of any benefit to them. That's what he's saying. In other words, if you decide to place your trust in circumcision as the basis for your salvation, then you cannot, be saved by Jesus Christ because to trust in circumcision for salvation is to not trust in Christ for salvation. Now, folks, this is a vital truth that many people do not understand. And I know that's the case because there are some, even in our own church, who wonder, who wonder how they can tell if an individual is really a Christian or not. And you'll hear people like this say such things as, well, you know, this person says that they believe in Jesus. They say the right things, that Jesus died for their sins. So how do I know if they're a true believer or not? Well, Paul tells us how. He spells it out for us here. How you can know where a person stands with Christ. He tells the Galatians that the issue is, note this, who or what they are trusting in for their salvation. If their trust is in their circumcision or anything that they think they can do to earn salvation, then Paul says that Christ's death on the cross will be of no benefit to you. And the reason why Paul specifically focuses on circumcision is because the Judaizers insisted that circumcision was necessary to become Jewish and then to be saved. That's exactly what we read in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Some men from Jerusalem said, unless they are circumcised, they cannot be saved. And so for any of the Galatians then to be circumcised actually meant that they had made a decision to trust in this ritual, which symbolized becoming a Jewish lawkeeper as the means of their justification. That's why Paul said, if you really If you really buy into this thinking and receive circumcision as the basis for your salvation, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. He can't be. See, here's what the whole issue boils down to. And the way you can tell if you are a Christian or if someone who you know is a Christian, either your faith is in Christ alone for your salvation or it isn't in him at all regardless of what you believe or someone else believes, if it's not in Christ alone for salvation, then it is not in him at all. You see, to be a Christian means that your faith rests entirely in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as the basis for your salvation. He is, in other words, the sole object of your faith and your hope of going to heaven when you die. But if you think, that Christ is not enough for your salvation and that you need something, something more than him and his atoning sacrifice to make salvation complete and certain like water baptism or church membership or good deeds or observance of, of the sacraments or keeping certain religious feasts or eating only Old Testament kosher foods or anything like that. Then Paul says, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Because your faith is not in him alone for your salvation. And faith alone is the whole issue. Faith alone is the issue of salvation because as someone once put it, a Christ supplemented is a Christ supplanted. A Christ supplemented is a Christ supplanted. See, to supplement Jesus with anything you think you you can do to earn salvation is to replace Jesus Christ as the sole object of your faith. Note this well, to be a Christian, Christ must be your one and only Savior, not a number, not one of a number of Saviors, your one and only Savior, otherwise you are not a true Christian. And what you end up with then is a religion of ritualism that may have, yes, some Christian flavor, some even biblical flavor to it, but it is not Christian and it is not biblical because Christ is not the sole object of your faith for salvation.
2: We need to follow the exhortation of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 13.5 to examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Many people who see themselves as Christians have never recognized that Christ died for their sins and that they are lost without Him and His finished work on the cross. If you want to hear this study again, go to our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Message Archive tab and select the message with today's date. If you would like to order a CD of this message along with the next study, Call Verse by Verse at 727 239 0306. Please remember that Verse by Verse is a listener supported ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel.